Hello, everybody. Marilyn Hughes of the Out of Body Travel Foundation. We are live, and I have a lot of questions because it's been a while here. And um, sorry, my hair is all wet. Um, okay, and um, so we'll just get started here. I want to remind you to please subscribe to my channel. It makes us searchable across the web. Helps people find us. And also consider becoming a member because your memberships help us to keep our, our content free to everybody on the internet. And um, that's, you know, that's how we reach out to people around the world with the spiritual information that we make available to people. And so um, here I have a little thing there. Okay. So please feel free to jump in with your questions and stuff and just bear with me patiently. If I'm in the middle of answering one of these, I have quite a bit of questions here from people uh, that I'll try to answer. And welcome Adriana. She says, hello, dear Marilyn. Great to see you live. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Uh, a lot been going on. So it's been, been a little while, huh? And so here we have start with the first question. Um, Adriana says, it has been a while. Yes, it has. And if you'll bear with me, there is something in my glasses here that I'm going to wipe off. That's going to drive me a little crazy if I have it right over my left eye. And I'm seeing funny. Okay. So this is my first question. Uh, in your out-of-body travels, have you seen if it is true that we are God consciousness expressing itself in human form. I hear this a lot among the new age community and it just does not ring true to me. I do not think I am God having a human experience as they say, sorry for being honest with my thoughts. Nonetheless, feel free to explain anything you have witnessed in your out of body travels, even if they contradict my feelings and belief. I'm very eager to learn, test, expand and grow. So, um, so this is, this is kind of a hard one to explain. You know, a lot of these concepts, what happens is people, I try to get my glasses not to do that reflection thing, but it's kind of hard. I guess if I move my chair just a little, maybe I won't have the eyeballs doing that, or maybe it'll just have to, it'll just have to reflect a little. So there we go. That's the best I can do. Um, so there are these concepts in spirituality where they can mean one thing if you're listening to it from a grounded perception and if you're listening to it from a mystical perception and then there's all these levels in between. And so they can be easily misunderstood um, and very sometimes difficult to explain without there being misunderstanding because it is a mystical understanding. And so sometimes the concept can be thrown around uh, in a way which is incorrect, although the original truth behind it may have some correctness to it. And this is one of those. And a lot of people are jumping in here. So that's great to see everybody. MT says, hi, everyone. Aniel, hello, just getting here. Adriana, your glasses were reflecting, but it's better now. Okay. And I apologize. It's really hard to, I even got the non-reflective lenses. Does no, does nothing. They still do it. John says, hi, Marilyn. So hello, everybody. Thanks for joining. Glad to have you with us. And so this is one of these truths that, um, in fact, maybe I'll take them off for just a minute. 
and I'll just put them back on here and there as I go. This is one of these truths that is, is like that. Um, so is it true that we are God consciousness expressing itself in human form? Sorta, kinda, not exactly. Um, there's truth in it. Now, if you actually follow the stream of soul spirit, as it moves and meanders from a human soul back towards source, then yes, it's true. Because all life, all consciousness, all existence originates in God. All creation originates in God. So all creation is God expressing itself. And this is where the conflict comes in and where the misunderstanding comes in. But that doesn't mean that we are little gods experiencing um, existence and creation. What it, it means is that, um, that God shoots out, uh, emanates creation. And each of these creations originates from the greater consciousness that is God and there is a, an expression of that that is coming from this desire within God to create and express and experience uh, many, many different things and express uh, many, many different things. And so that's God expressing itself in human form. However, each of these human forms is not God. It is a fragment. It's an emanation. Um, and part of this also then becomes more complex because we cannot even define things as an emanation versus a fragment in the same manner because each human soul can be defined as more of an emanation as they come closer and purify and move spiritually and mystically towards God. And then they become more of an emanation. Whereas the average human soul that is not seeking the spiritual attainment, um, who is truly grounded and of the world, is a fragment and can be said to have little or no connection to God at all. And that is by design, created that way. Because that's part of the experiment, so to speak, which is creation seeking its own creator. So when you have uh, this process, this whole process, this human process is this redemption process, the redemption of souls, the awakening, the purification, the return to God. That's what we're here for. There's all these gradations in between. So when you have this, this 
partial truth thrown out of God consciousness expressing itself in human form. It's a partial truth, but not exactly, not really. It's kind of like when people throw around the concept of the self in Hinduism, not understanding the mystical uh, reality underlying that, uh, which is so multi-layered, so infinite. This is also something that has an infinite capacity to it. Adriana says, for some reason you have a way of explaining that makes sense and I get it. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad because I'm not sure, you know, when I'm trying to explain it, if it's making any sense at all. Um, you use words that perfectly explain the phenomenon. I get it every time you say, you do have a special way with words. I'm glad to hear it. And thank you for saying that because it does let me know that the way I'm explaining it is helpful and is coming across. And so there's all these gradations. And so we can absolutely have souls. Like, let's say a God, you know, ironically, you look at uh, some of the, Hin let's look at some of the Hindu uh, terms, a God realized soul. Let's talk about Paramahamsa Yogananda. Now, a Paramahamsa Yogananda would certainly be a God consciousness expressing itself in human form. That would be uh, the epitome of that. So that's the height of what that actually might mean. But then there's all these gradations below that, you know, and all of us are somewhere in between. And then, you know, a typical worldly soul who has no idea or no consciousness of spirituality at all would be absolutely and completely disconnected from that God consciousness while incarnate in that physical waking state. Now we know that souls, even those who are completely oblivious to spirituality, do have some connection to God in their subconscious states. Um, so we know that no one is ever completely disconnected from God, but for the purpose of their human form, their incarnation, whether it's because, you know, by design, because it's like, okay, I'm going to live a lifetime where I'm completely, um, completely uh, far away from God. I have no interest in God. I'm going to be completely alienated from God or it's because it's a soul who's had a lot of opportunities to come closer to God and they've completely turned their hearts away from him for either reason they are. And so that God consciousness is not in any type of active expression in human form. However, that soul would still have through the meandering energetic trails leading back, of course, to where that soul was born and created in the mind of God and God experiences through his creation, even those things. But that human form is not experiencing God. So uh, in essence, the person who asked this question is... Um, Correct, because no, we are not God having a human experience. <laughs> so that's correct. 
However, hopefully what I've tried to explain shows that there is truth in that statement, but there's also a lot of misunderstanding in that statement. And so if there's any questions about that, just let me know and I'll just go ahead and move on to the next. Cause I do have quite a pile of questions here that I'd like to try to meander my way through. Okay, so here's another one. All right. All right, I have spent the past year or so listening to many types of meditations. There are tons of free meditations online. However, I've noticed many meditations in the New Age community that include terms such as, I will give you a few of the New Age vocabulary. Christ consciousness, Christ avatar of the light, light body Merkaba, crystalline sun DNA, great central sun, diamond light codes, activation light attunements, new earth, earth crystalline grids, star seed, sacred geometry, Arcturian, Pleiadian, Galactic Federation, Lion's Gate, Syrian's Gate, cosmic fires of Helios and Vesta, etc., to name a few of their vocabulary. I am not familiar with the meaning of these terms and other and or other new age terms very well, but they sound nothing different than the pagans and heathens from the Bible time, but with a new modern twist. My question to you is in your out of body travels, have you seen if these are true concepts that God uses in his many mighty creation? I don't want to put the Lord Almighty in a box with my small human mind, but I believe it is okay for me to question if these things are real or if they offend God for being similar to a pagan practice of worshiping the creation more than the creator and or other gods. Thank you, Marilyn, for all you do. May our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you and your family always. Well, thank you, and to you as well. So, so here we we kind of we're kind of dealing with something similar again. <laughs> so, we'll just throw that. Um, Adriana says, "Thank you." I agree one hundred percent. So that I think was for the other question. So, thank you, Adriana. I'm glad that was helpful. Um, so. I would say some of these are legitimate and um, definitely like, you know, Christ consciousness, what that is, Paramahamsa Yogananda spoke about Christ consciousness. And what he was speaking about was having people enter into this state that Christ attained to or entering into this transformative consciousness that Christ um, brought with him to earth that he made possible by incarnating into earth. And in fact, like Paramahamsa wrote a book called, it's, it's a big one, there's two volumes this thick each, and they're in my other room over there, otherwise I'd go get them. The, it's the second coming of the Christ consciousness, something like that where he goes into detail through the, through the gospels actually. And 
gives his commentary on how to uh, bring in the Christ consciousness in yourself. Um, and what he's doing is speaking about this understanding that mystics have, which is that anytime a great soul, and in the case of Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, comes into incarnation, they are bringing a new pattern of existence into incarnation and making it available for other souls after them. So when Christ incarnated, he made the Christ consciousness available to those who would come after him. And I am now getting slammed with energy. So I think this is important. So we'll focus on that one for starters. And so by making that Christ consciousness available uh, by incarnating into the earth, now it becomes uh, a mystical sphere of potential that humanity can now reach that they were unable to reach before he came. You see this with other, other great souls, you know, like the Buddha, um, and, and many souls, you know, that this is what the point of the ancient sacred texts are, you know, and if you're interested in that more, you can watch the film or look at the book at the feet of the masters. That's part of the, the purpose of understanding these incarnations. And obviously Jesus Christ's incarnation was above and beyond all of those. Um, and so Christ consciousness, that's what that is about, is that pattern that became available mystically. It is a, you can actually see this when you are in the mystical spheres. Um, it is like uh, a grid. Uh, ironically, you see them as mathematical uh, equations and grids in the mystical spheres. Um, it, it's, it's something that becomes available to us. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> but so that's what Christ consciousness is. Now, um, so like for the uh, different, like they're talking about Arcturian, Pleiadian. Um, these are just different extraterrestrial races and each of these has actually different types of vibrational thrusts. And those are also uh, legitimate energetic patterns that they try to bring in that assist us in our redemption and our ascension. So those are legitimate. I think that where, I think that where we get into the iffy area, and I don't want to talk about all of these in particular because I don't know about all of these in particular. But, you know, some people do receive specific mystical revelation about particular ones. Like, you know, like I received this thing about the frequency of Otara, and I made that CD, which helps people through the, the uh, method of the angels to achieve out-of-body travel. And some of these things may very well be things like that. However, I do think that there's probably, when you do see how much of this is on the internet, I do think people are also probably making some of this up just to make it sound good and whatever. 
Um, so that's probably why you're seeing such a proliferation of it. So it makes it uh, sound more interesting um, when what they're actually trying to do here is uh, maybe use some frequencies. Hopefully they are using some legitimate frequencies. Um, so for the person who's asking this, I don't know if um, you're familiar with the different frequencies that they're using. You'll see some of them, they have, uh, you know, 428 gigahertz or 526 gigahertz. There are these different frequencies that have to do with some of the research that's been done. That stuff started with the Monroe Institute and the Hemi Sync tapes, things like that, where they did research on these frequencies. That's my cute dog, Peep. Peep is having a little dream. We'll see if she's okay or if I need to go over there and calm her down. But um, so, you know, there are frequencies and some of them they'll, they'll have uh, these frequencies. Uh, some of them, they just kind of say stuff. And, you know, I use a lot of them sometimes to meditate. Actually, most of the time now I'm going through a period and have been for a long time where I just use silence for meditation. But I've used these things um, many times uh, for meditation. So uh, whatever works for you on these, um, I would focus mostly on the ones with a certain frequency is what I would do when I used any of these. Um, I used mostly Gregorian chant in the past. I had a lot of uh, Buddhist monks chanting. I also had some of these ones that they would use Buddhist monks chanting with frequencies and things like that. Um, and then there were some of the kinds of things like these where they just did really beautiful things or they used the sound of the Aum along with certain frequencies. And so I, I don't think I would worry about these so much as I would just look at it as some people do get creative with it. Um, and so they may not have like uh, some particular significance every single time because I don't know if they're um, just making up interesting names or if they're actually doing something because they received it like in a mystical experience. And it's really hard to find that out now because there's so much proliferation on the internet. Um, and so that's what you kind of run into. And so um, Adriana says, it's normal and common sense. Thank you. And she says, wow, I do love the way you explain. MT says, Peep is traveling in her sleep too. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder what she's uh, dreaming about because she gets intense. She gets worked up there. And so, yeah, I think that hopefully that's helpful, you know, so um, sometimes they, you know, they, you know, you look at things like diamond light codes, great central sun, some of these things, um, those are, they have, they have meaning, like when they talk about the great central sun, that's um, a reference to uh, like even in Emanuel Swedenborg's writings, he speaks about there being the great central sun of the universe, which is a reference to God as the great central sun. Uh, diamond light codes is, is gonna be reference to a frequency. Uh, so just, you know, uh, don't take it too seriously, I guess is where I'd go with that. Um, 
Let's see what this next one is. Let's see. Let's pull this one aside because it has some pages on it. Um, this looks fun. Okay, let's see where we can find the beginning of it. Okay. All right. Where did it start? My goodness. I have to go backwards because they go backwards, you know. Um, Adriana says, what is the great central sun? Hopefully that made sense. And thank you. And okay. Okay. So I think we're good on that. Uh, I think it starts here. So I'm going to hope that this makes sense. Okay. All right. So dear Marilyn, thanks for being a blessing. That's very sweet. Thank you. Very sweet. I hope you're doing well. I have become disillusioned with the materialism and worldliness of the Pentecostal denomination I grew up in. I am becoming increasingly drawn to the Orthodox Church. I have drawn a lot of spiritual strength from the Jesus prayer and fasting and the doctrine of theosis resonates with me. Okay, my problem is that there are not many Orthodox churches in the U.S. There are only two in Colorado Springs. And when I got to one of them, I had to stand outside because there was no space in the main building. I remember you saying that you were directed from one of your mystical experiences to become a Roman Catholic. The truth is I love the Roman Catholic Church, but it's so difficult for me to turn a blind eye to the many historical and present day crimes of the church. I hear that many conservative Catholics are not comfortable with the direction the current Pope is leading the church. The reformed churches tend to ignore mystical revelations and elevate intellectualism. Are there really any benefits of being formally part of the church institution? After all, the kingdom of God is within and the body of Christ mystical. Can't we just continue to embark on the purification journey and seek unity with God without joining the church? Please note that it is not my intention to raise any controversy or offend anyone from this question. I apologize if it does. Well, I think that's a great question. And I apologize about my voice because Stark Ether, welcome. It's awesome to see you. So for those who haven't figured it out, I have an inflammatory problem with my vocal cords. So that's why... My voice has been getting worse. So I apologize that I start sounding really crappy as I go. You can bear with it. I can handle it. I know that it is not a great thing, but thanks for being patient with me. It just doesn't last very long. And then it just gets real raspy and I can't do anything about it. Nothing fixes it. So thanks for your patience with my voice. Stark ether. I couldn't even tell Marilyn. I hope you feel better soon. Oh, thanks. It's just something that is not going to get better. I've had it for a while now. I'm 58. It's just an aging thing. So it's not going to go away. So if you can just accept it as <laughs> part of it's part of me now. So <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. So my answer is I think I'll answer this with a mystical experience I had just recently in the last month while I was going through a similar funk. 
in the end, I think it's everyone's individual decision. Everything you said is valid, and I guess I can just let the experience speak for itself. Perhaps we all have to make that individual decision for ourselves, but remember that although our relationship with God is always deeply unique and personal, we should never allow ourselves to lose sight of the pure place from which the church has come, from which all these things have come. So here it is. I hope it helps. I know for me, it opened a bit of mystery to the question, I think. So here's my experience. And I'll just say that, you know, I still struggle with the same question that this um, person struggles with. But I had this experience recently that answered the question, but also presents more questions to it. So there you go, right? So here it is. Um, Ana Yell says, sounds great to me. Thank you. You're very patient. Adriana, we will pray for healing. We are all getting old, but miracles happen. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. My spirit was so excited to see my deceased mother, but she was very calming as she was taking me to see a gentle Asian woman who was tending to a stand at the side of the road. Instantly, I noticed that she was organizing a series of Buddhist ancient sacred texts on a small table. When she saw me, she slowly gathered three very small books from the table and quietly handed them to me. Looking upon their covers, I saw that they were very ancient Buddhist texts. In my honor, I bowed to her as my mother led me now towards what looked like a shopping center and directed me to enter into what looked like a large shopping storefront. As we walked together into the wide glass entry doors, my mother disappeared. And when I entered, I discovered an empty building and a very huge blank wall in front of me. Instinctually, I walked towards it and then into it and everything changed. Um, suddenly, I was now inside a huge Catholic city of God type of place. There were many temples and altars, but yet columns of marble and many huge and enclosed hallways, which led through initiatory walks, were winding through the city as well. Hundreds of souls were here, but they only gathered in groups of maybe 10 to 20 at most. There was a peacefulness and purity about the place, a quiet which was deafening, a wonderful deafening. A very holy priest was awaiting my entry as I burst through the wall and we began to walk down a long marble hallway sided by columns, almost Greek in their nature. The hallways were tall, going up towards the heavens, hundreds of feet until the skies of the galactic heavens shone through. I saw many rooms and each room held something holy of the Catholic religion within it. Sacraments, rituals, theologies, liturgies, devotions filled me with such a sense of glee and wonder. Many things were going on in the rooms. And there was a profoundly holy air about all of it, which surprised me as I'd been going through a certain dryness about my faith, maybe even some questioning. There were so many issues with the church on the ground scandals, wrongs, injustices, etc., and even just having to go through a very dysfunctional annulment process in my own life, it had hardened me against the church. It hadn't changed my faith, but it had colored my views of the institution itself. Yet here, my spirit was filled with the influx of all that was holy within it. 
the church in its purity and perfection. Beyond these things, I was experiencing it in the heavens, in its perfected state as it was intended to be. The perfect model from whence it had come, from whence it had been born, and it was beautiful, it was holy. Up ahead, there was very clear and pure water in the hallway. The priest led us directly into it. We walked into it and continued into its depths until we were completely submerged like a baptism. And then we slowly ascended until we came out the other side, fully wet, but yet purified. We'd undergone some type of heavenly baptism and I was thoroughly honored, but there were no words spoken. He very stoically kept walking and I at his side with a full sense of wonder. But when I emerged, a new curiosity was emerging, a Catholic sense of wonder. I was realizing that my difficulties on the ground were not in concert with the realities of the heavens. This holy awe just splattered and spattered and spit and emanated. You couldn't deny it as it was just the nature of the place, the manner from which this city had been born. <clears throat> The priest and I continued walking and I continued observing groups of people and rooms off to the sides where souls were gathered and engaged in various holy activities until we reached a Catholic church at the end of this very long hallway. Two dark brown and ornate doors awaited our entry. The priest opened them and showed me in. The church was beautiful like a modern day church and we moved towards the altar. I was surprised when the priest had us walk all the way up to the front of the church and into and through the altar. As we did so, we entered into yet another church, the interior of the church, the church within the church, the soul of the church. I looked around and noticed that there were statues going along the sides of the church all the way to the front by the altar. It began with beautiful statues of the saints and moved into the seven archangels. They were all beyond life-sized, and what was different about them was that they were living statues. They would be still for a moment, and then they would begin to move or turn their heads and look your way. It was really intense. At the front of the church, right next to the altar, the Blessed Mother stood in the garb of Our Lady of Guadalupe with the most majestic of golden crowns placed tightly against her head. And she stood still like a majestic statue, but would move in a very considered fashion at opportune moments to let you know that she was alive, she was real, she was present, and her eyes were following us. A priest stood in a golden robe in front of the altar, holding the blessed sacrament, looking towards us and waiting patiently. An undetermined aura, a glow emanated from around him. There was a holiness of unknown origin. I didn't recognize this priest, but it was clear he was a saint, possibly unknown to us on earth, but obviously known to our lady and our Lord in heaven. I reached for a pew to sit in the back of the church, but the priest refused and pushed me to move towards the front of the church. I was uncomfortable doing this, but I followed his directives. 
As we get closer to the front, I again reached towards a pew, but responded to the priest's behest as he pushed me towards the altar. And the priest in gold. In my mind, I was thinking what an amazing honor it is that I'm about to receive Holy Communion from this priest at the side of the Blessed Mother. But suddenly I was distracted by something unexpected. At the feet of the Blessed Mother was a little doggy bed and inside it was a litter of chocolate lab puppies. There were nine of them. As a lover of animals, seeing them there at this holy altar filled me with joy. And then I noticed as I looked around the church, some of the people I had known and served with over the years in churches. It was interesting because they could not see me or recognize me as my identity was veiled to them. They could see that someone was there, but they could not recognize that they knew me from their lives on earth. But I could see them. And again, I had a realization that I was seeing the pure and good part of the church in heaven, and it was very holy. As I approached, I was thinking I would receive Holy Communion, and what an honor this was. But I as I reached towards the priest and was ready to throw myself to my knees to receive, the host literally flew from his hands into my mouth and my spirit just began an ascent towards the sky and into the heavens in a blissful splendor. As I uplifted, my soul entered into an ecstasy and wanton rapture into the love of God. I could not put into words the bliss and peace of soul that fell upon my spirit. My soul continued going ever higher up through the high walls of the church and into the galactic heavens, hovering within the celestial bodies of the night. In my aloneness with God, I was enraptured. It looks like, okay, it looks like I missed a couple messages. Oops. Okay. All right. And so um, the response was, Dear Marilyn, thank you for taking the time to respond to my question. I was expecting a reply in one of your live sessions on YouTube. This mystical experience is indeed a true source of encouragement, and I've read it many times already. Um, God bless you, Marilyn. Um, and I replied to that I was re planning to respond to it in the live stream. Um, I hope in sharing the experience, I didn't make it sound like I wasn't answering because I feel like it's very much okay if you don't feel moved to become a member of any particular religion. It's the spirit of your interior relationship with the spirit of life that matters. There are sacraments and things which I think my experience was pointing out to me that I have true holiness and that have true holiness and value which are available to us within the church. But I do believe that each of us has to find our path in how we are particularly called. It's a difficult decision because I can see reasons for both ways of choosing. 
So whatever you choose, I do think will be okay. And of course, if you have any more questions, please feel free to ask with love. So I'm curious what I missed there. Adriana retracted your messages. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So the next message here. Let's see. Let's see if we're going to do this one or this one next. Oh my goodness. Yes. Let's do this one here. All right, let's do this one. This one's a quick one. We'll do a quick one and then we'll go to another long one, I guess. All right. All right. So, hello, Marilyn. And this seems to be one where someone kind of wanted to share a bit about their own experience. So, we'll just kind of share that. Adriana says, I am having a bad internet connection. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I hope you were able to stay with us. So this is from someone who reached out from the uh, website through the contact form. He says, hello, Marilyn. We exchanged emails a few years ago. God doesn't believe all the Bible. 300 verses plus say fear God. He said their fear of me is a commandment of men. Isaiah 29, 13. Richard met God, cries, talks, talking about God's unconditional love. Okay, I think this person, let's see. Okay, let's see here. I might have to get to the, I might have to get to the point. Uh, David's blah, 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 blah. Okay, so... I think this person is trying to say that he has pulled from a lot of different people's experiences, uh, like for instance, in heaven is for real, that the Prince of Peace shows that God doesn't want us to fear God. And he's had a lot of people who have said, um, many are looking for the return of Jesus Christ, but he is looking for people where he can dwell right here and now with his glorious presence. And um, let's see, he's been given many details and the verse we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses is true. And that his point is that God does not want us to fear him. And my response to him was absolutely, it's great to hear from him again. And we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And I agree, God does not wish us to fear him, but rejoice in his great love and mercy. I think the clear message we see in the body of near-death experiences is the love of God. And I think that's what uh, he was talking about. And I think it would be too confusing to try to go through his examples because it would be hard for you to all understand where he was going. Oh, we have a super chat. Yay! Thank you, John. We have a super chat. Um, that was an ex amazing experience you shared, Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Of course, those super chats are ever so helpful. They help us to keep all of our resources free and available to everyone online. Speaking of that, I want to make people avail uh, aware of a change that's been made to the website. Um, uh, 
just so you know, on outofbodytravel.org, due to some changes that have been made with our Amazon stores, we have a new website where the free downloads are located and you're going to see the link to it. It's outofbodytravel.wordpress.com. So if you go to outofbodytravel.org, you're going to have all the regular ordering information there. And then you'll see the link that takes you to the site where you can download all the books. And that's outofbodytravel.wordpress.com. And that was created because of some other issues that would bore you to tears. But that's where you go, where you can download all the free books. So a little bit of a change. So you're not going to get all the downloads at the main site, outofbodytravel.org. Just go to outofbodytravel.wordpress.com. The links are at the site to go there, but that is where you'll need to go to get them now. A little bit of a change there. Um, and here we have a few other questions that are uh, interesting about out-of-body travel that might be helpful to all of y'all. Okay. Um, all right. Okay, I had a really vivid dream about out-of-body travel last night. I remember in the dream asking myself if this was in fact out-of-body travel and answering myself, yes. Biggest things I remember about it are, I could see my arms but not my hands in front of me. My unseen hands felt as if they could touch anything in the world on my command. My fingers appeared to be really long and flexible when I pulled them out of the mist I was floating in an etheric mist, completely weightless. I felt like I could go anywhere, but I had no control over it. I could look down and see what appeared to be the land masses of planet Earth, similar to what orbiting astronauts would see. I met you at one point and asked if you could teach me how to determine where I would go and what I would do. And you told me it's not my place to do that. The spirit will guide you. I feel that this dream lasted most of the night and I had a lot of experiences. I kept asking myself if this is the real deal and always answered myself, yes. I don't think that automatically means it was a bona fide out-of-body experience, but it felt a lot more real than my usual dreams. So is it common to have this type of vivid dream when you're moving towards out-of-body travel? Could it have been a preliminary experience? Maybe my mind and spirit becoming attuned to out-of-body travel. Um, let's see here. And one thing I did say to him was yes and yes. A fully conscious out-of-body experience will be even more intense, but there's no question you were out of your body just not, not yet of the fully conscious variety, but, uh, but this is fantastic. And of course, it doesn't matter that it wasn't fully conscious because it doesn't. <laughs> this is like major, major progress. This is when someone is literally waking up in the dream, so to speak, and starting to become uh, ready for, uh, you know, fully conscious OBEs. And this is like right on the precipice here. Uh, this is great and really, uh, really a wonderful experience. Let's see, Adriana says, I myself struggle with the church. I grew up in a Mormon church, which I do not believe anymore. 
Adriana, I also grew up in the Mormon church. So we share that in common. Um, Adriana, the word fear in the Old Testament means respect, reverence, and worship. Very, very good point. I love that you brought that up regarding that past uh, commentary brought up by the previous question. That's so true. A lot of times when people bring up fear of the Lord, they really um, kind of miss that point. So I want to reread that. Fear, of, fear in the Old Testament means respect, reverence, and worship. And that is so true that people take fear of the Lord from the Old Testament to mean, you know, uh, something very different than what it was intended. So thank you for bringing that up, Adriana. Very, very helpful point. So this is a great experience. Um, this is an out-of-body experience, not fully conscious, but this is right, right before someone's getting ready to become fully conscious. And it's just as important, if not more, because he's becoming, uh, he's aware of so much of this experience. When he has his first fully conscious experience, he may very well not remember as much because of that. So this is really cool. So... All righty, moving forward. Let's see here. Okay. All right. All right. I don't think. Okay. All right, let's move over to this pile over here. And here we are. Okay. Okay, so here we have a question about Kundalini. All right, so I have somebody sent me something. I'm going to go ahead and share it with you that they found online about Kundalini. I'm going to read it to you and give the disclaimer that what I'm reading does not represent what I believe, but I'm reading it because I'm then going to comment on it. So this is, um, hi, Marilyn, I want to share a post from someone on Facebook. It really spoke to me. I've heard this and that the lower chakras were corrupted in the original divine blueprint by fallen beings at the fourth level. Also, since Mother Mary has her foot on the head of the serpent, it's always stuck with me. What are your thoughts? Thank you and God bless you. This is the post. Okay, let me just, okay. It's in large print, so it should be. Be aware of Kundalini. Okay, Kundalini is a demon from the realms of darkness, an evil spirit that appears as a serpent snake in the spirit. This demon normally comes through the open doors of practicing yoga. Those who sought a Kundalini awakening, seeking to open the third eye, practicing Reiki, learning the chakras, most new age activities are through Hinduism. Normally located on the base of the spine, but can move to the head, mainly manifesting and can be felt in the hands with the shaking of the hands and the moving of the fingers. This demon is very tricky, cunning, and has fooled many for far too long. 
Once when delivering someone from a Kundalini demon, I referred to it as a snake. It became upset at me and spoke through the person and said it is a serpent, not a snake. It is prideful and wants to be addressed as it feels as it should be. Its intent is evil towards any whom it can find an open door and inhabit. It wants you to believe it is the Holy Spirit, a false power that can be felt within. And many who are ignorant of the Kundalini spirit actually believe it is our beautiful Holy Spirit and are deceived. And again, as I continue, this is someone's post on the internet is not my words. Okay. One person who my husband and I were delivering the Kundalini spoke upon in its usual prideful way, laughing because the person had thought it was Holy Spirit, had put photos of himself up on Facebook so people could see and feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit on him, when in fact it was the power of Kundalini and, and it had influenced him to do this. Why? To hopefully cause demonic transference into someone who looks at the photo who has opened doors in their lives. Demons love influencing people to keep putting their photos up. I see it happening on Facebook a lot. They use it for their purposes. It does not mean everyone who shares their photo is demonized. It just means it is an avenue the enemy uses and to be aware of demons or that if you feel constantly drawn to keep putting your photo up for all to see, demons want to spread to as many Christians as they can, infiltrating our church, influencing our leadership and all for Satan's kingdom and glory, which repulses me, you may have guessed by now. I totally dislike this demon. I dislike all demons because of what they do to people, but this one in particular, because it is fooling too many of my brothers and sisters into thinking it is Holy Spirit. Adriana, uh, the word fear, uh, the Lord means awe, total respect and reverence and adoration. In Hebrew, it got translated to fear in our times. Hi, Bill. Bill Tuck joining us. Thank you, Bill, for being with us. Um, and so, again, this is not my words. This is from a post on Facebook from this uh, person. How do I personally know how Kundalini feels and manifests by my experience delivering others from this demon? But also because I myself once had Kundalini and, under Kundalini and understand how it works. I had opened doors in my life due to New Age involvement. It made me feel an overly excitement in God wanting to do something for him but in a prideful way to do a move of God and it had me caught up because that's what it wants from us Christians to have us caught up and cause a move we think is of God when in fact it is Kudalini with an assignment from Satan I thought it was Holy Spirit too when this demon was manifesting in my life but praise God I was shown the truth and was delivered from it because of what I went through I recognize it working in others which helps in deliverance ministry but also helps in knowing what to pray if I see it functioning in a church, it causes a kind of euphoria experience as if caught up in Jesus, but is more transfixed on the feeling rather than on the person. People feed off it. They get caught up in feeling the manifest presence of God than seeking him and instead get the counterfeit power of Kundalini. I am being open here, God's girls, because it needs to be said. And I share this in love because I desire no one to get up, uh, get caught up in a false power of Satan. Again, this is the words from a post on Facebook from a question that I received, not me. This deceiving demon is rampant in our churches. As shocking as this sounds, it is unfortunately sadly true. My desire is for more to be aware of this false power and stand against it in their lives and in their churches. We only want the pure power that is Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches. We want him to have his way in and through us to the glory of the Father. Amen. Father, I want to worship and honor you in all my ways and not be deceived or caught up in a counterfeit spirit. 
If the Kundalini demon is hiding somewhere within me, I humble myself now and give Holy Spirit the permission to locate it and cause it to come out, come up and out. I renounce and break any agreement I have made with a Kundalini demon. I don't want it in my life and don't want it in my church. I choose to not just get caught up in just the manifestations of your spirit. Father, I want to get caught up in you to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lead me in the truth by your spirit. It is the truth that will set me free by the, from the deception and lies of the enemy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's the name of the person who wrote this, and she includes several references to scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. 1 John 4.1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to test whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Um, from John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so this is, is my response to this question from this uh, member of the foundation and so she had shared this post from someone on Facebook and it really spoke to her. And she had heard that the lower chakras were corrupted um, in the original divine blueprint by fallen beings from the fourth level. And, um, and it's all about being aware of the Kundalini. And I said, well, hello, I, I have tried to think how I could address this question simply but that will be difficult. So here's my effort to do this, although I think it isn't really totally possible. And this kind of goes back to, again, where we started, which is there are these things in the spiritual where people take a spiritual concept and they understand a very small portion of it. And it has a much greater uh, meaning or implication that, is being missed and they take that simplified understanding and and that becomes their truth of it and that's where it becomes false that's where that understanding of it becomes completely false but that portion that part of it is true but it's only true because their understanding of it is false. So we're back to that where we started, right? And so that's what we're going to deal with here in relation to Kundalini. So the writer of the below is really simplifying many concepts, which he or she clearly does not fully understand. And thus, I would personally just put this aside. However, this is not an uncommon view, especially for Christians. And as such, it is not a bad thing, especially for Christians, to simply disregard the issue of Kundalini because it isn't important for them to study or understand. However, it isn't uncommon for Christians to demonize it either because of their lack of understanding. So as I said, it would be impossible to explain every misunderstanding stated without writing a few books, but here are just a few thoughts. 
um, whether you open your third eye or not, does not change the fact that you have one. <laughs> Practicing Reiki or not has very little to do with Kundalini. It is a practice which was also given to a man in a mystical experience of healing and energy, not unlike Christian healing. But again, too much to go into. Reiki is about understanding and working with the human energy field. Not working with the human energy field doesn't change the fact that you have one. Choosing not to learn about the chakras does not change the fact that you have them. On the other hand, and this is what makes it more difficult to address, your writer isn't wrong and in saying that many souls have gotten caught up in very false practices that have actually gotten them into serious contamination with dark forces and bad stuff. And some of it has been related to people purporting to help people with kundalini. So that's also true. So staying away from it, especially when you don't understand it, makes good sense. But kundalini itself is not an evil. And frankly, kundalini has never been pointed out to me in my own mystical journeys as having a huge amount of significance. In fact, none at all. It's just a spiritual science of the Vedas. Being Hindu or practicing Hinduism properly does not in and of itself lead to evil. Are there some who practice it who get into bad stuff? Yes. Are there some who practice Christianity who get into bad stuff? Yes. Are there some who practice every religion or spiritual way who get into bad stuff? Yes. A further thing I'd suggest to you as well is to be cautious of all those like this writer who tend to demonize anything that either they don't understand or just doesn't work specifically for them. There is a lot of this in Christianity. And you'll find that there is a dogmatic way in many religions. But this is not the way that the masters follow for they understand things differently. There isn't only one way, and there is no need to demonize the things we discard along the way. Meaning, as we go through our own personal purification process, there are going to be things that we choose not to participate in or that we choose or decide we don't need, but we don't need to demonize it for those who choose that it works in their particular path. We don't have to demonize that which we don't personally utilize. In this person's case, it seems they experienced in themselves and others the prideful and egoic aspects of the New Age movement and attributed it that to Kundalini itself rather than recognizing that it was the pride and ego in themselves which were at issue. So all these things they were pointing out about posting pictures too much and all these things that they said, these were all pride and ego issues regardless. And these are pride and ego issues that each person has to deal with themselves regardless. This is not Kundalini did it. This is we did it. This is a personal issue. So they attribute it to Kundalini rather than to themselves, to their own pride and ego. 
So the same pride and ego is clearly manifest in this message and the need to demonize and place the shadow upon something this person clearly misunderstands rather than on a vice within himself or herself and on those close to them. Do you see how much more quickly they would progress if they just identified the pride and ego within and stopped trying to blame this other? But again, let me make clear, this is not to say that Kundalini itself has any great importance or virtue or even significance. It's simply to say that it also does not have any great evil or vice unless it is used improperly. It is simply Vedic belief, practice, and science. And this writer thought it would make it more significant, and it did not. He is starting to see his own pride, but not quite yet, not quite enough. He's almost there. But for now, he has to blame it on an external source. And right now, that's Kundalini. But this, the actual source is internal. So I felt that was an important question because we see a lot of that in our spiritual journeying and it ends up always coming back to an internal adriana says marilyn i think people are afraid to offend god and they are afraid of evil which i understand do we offend god if we engage in kundalini meditation and mystic experience good questions um now so Meditation is okay, and there's more question there. Let's see. Have you seen in your out of bodies experiences how the heavens see all mystical? John says, Marilyn, that was a great analysis. Thank you so much, John. And so, Adriana, when you say how the heavens see all mystical, um, I'm just going to say to that when you are in the out of body travel state you do have the ability to see the mystical worlds in a you know variety of ways and, and you know not in each individual experience do you see all the heavens but after having thousands of experiences you do have almost like a cosmology so the heavens obviously do see all these mystical worlds but let's go back to uh, as opposed to traditional christianity um I think where, where you might be getting a little bit tripped up is that it probably depends a little bit on the denomination that you follow. You know, in Catholicism, mystical theology is part of the faith. And so there is a very strong mystical tradition we have this cosmology that's presented by the saints from throughout time. Um, they're right over here, by the way. <laughs> so we have, you know, which is a part of the body of the knowledge of the church, of the visions of the saints uh, from, you know, the very beginning of the church, um, which is accepted as part of the church's teachings. Um, it's not part of the gospel teachings. There's, it's, there's different types of teachings in the church, the gospel teachings, the magisterium of the church. And then there is this body of knowledge, which is mystical theology. I want to go back to your original questions. People are afraid to offend God, which is um, 
uh, a good point and a good question. They are afraid of evil, which I also understand. You understand and I understand. Do we offend God if we engage? I'm going to focus on meditation and mystical experience. No, because meditation is actually a spiritual practice and mystical experience is a fruit of, mis of, of spiritual practice. Kundalini itself, so engaging in Kundalini, it's kind of a hard thing to say because, again, going back to the question of Kundalini, there's so many people who do so many weird things with Kundalini these days. If you actually go, and my, my texts on Kundalini are over in that room over there. <laughs> if you actually read the texts on Kundalini, um, there's really nothing to engage in. And so that's where it gets really corrupted and confusing. All of these things about wakening your Kundalini and doing all these things, that's probably, it'd be interesting to ask this of a true Hindu master, because if you look at the actual texts, Kundalini is spoken of as a Vedic science it's broken down. It's, it's an intellectual thing to understand, but there's not actually anything to do. It's a science, something you understand. It's kind of like theology. Um, and I think that it's my understanding of it. And I could be flawed in my understanding. Cause like I said, I have never been directed to care about Kundalini. So I've never given a lot of attention. I don't think it's important. Um, so there's from the texts themselves, there's nothing to do. So my, my assumption, my guess, and this could be wrong, is that a lot of these meditations in the new age, it's probably different when you're talking with a Hindu master and what they're doing. And I don't know what they're doing, but what the new age is doing and all these let's open our Kundalini and stuff. That's something that they're kind of probably doing themselves. So that again is, okay, we're making stuff up, you know, but that's not the original intention of what Kundalini is. Kundalini is a science. It's an intellectual thing. It's kind of like, well, are we offending God by understanding theology? It's kind of the same kind of question. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> But, you know, because Kundalini is just a part of like the theology, the science of the Vedas. It's just intellectual information. And so if they've taken this Vedic scientific information and created meditations and created, oh, you must activate something and you must open something, then that's different than what it actually really is. So, so that's where it gets confused and be, you know, muddied because I, I would suggest to everyone when you're dealing with anything like that, go to the actual original sources before you just listen to whatever you find anywhere, because people do take these things and they make their own stuff up. <laughs> you know, so if you want to know, well, what is the actual thing here? Go look to the original uh, texts to find out if, if this is real or if this is something that somebody's just coming up with. And I would just say, why, why bother with the Kundalini unless there's really a particular reason to do it? 
there's that's where I'm coming from. Meditation is a spiritual practice. Mystical experience are the fruit of spiritual practice. You're not offending God by engaging in that. Um, uh, let's see. The, the mystical spheres are much vaster than um, what any you know Christian belief or any religious belief can fully comprehend. But if you actually read all the ancient sacred texts, you're going to get a pretty good picture of a lot of it just because it's been, you know, captured in words by as many of the mystics from throughout time. But that includes, you know, the ancient sacred texts include these writings from the Catholic saints, too. But there are also these mystics, these Catholic mystics. But there's also these mystics from all these world religions that are part of this cosmology that that show you this world. And so if you read all of it, yeah, you're going to see what that is. If you experience these things over time, you develop a cosmology in your own of your own that you do see. I hope this is making some kind of sense. Um, as opposed to your collection of statues is beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I wish I could show you the whole house. Maybe someday I'll do a video of it. Um, because uh, it's kind of like, a, it's my hermitage, basically, you know. So I have stuff all over the place. And they all have a story of their own as to how how they came to into my life. And some of them have very interesting origin stories. So thank you for that. Um, is that helpful, Adriana? I'd like to hear from you. Is, is Does that make sense? Thank you for your wonderful answers, Marilyn. One day I put an amethyst crystal on table by my bed. I woke up with lightning on my third eye in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I did have um, out-of-body experiences and mystical experiences specifically instructing me to put amethyst and celestite around my house. And I have quite a bit of amethyst in my bedroom where I you know, have my experiences for that very reason. So that's very cool that you had that. <laughs> So anyway, I think we should probably, um, yeah, you learned that crystals do have energy. And remember, you know, this is another one of those things again. People get freaked out because the New Agers focus on their crystals. They kind of create idols out of them. But one of the things that you want to understand is it's not, uh, just because they do that doesn't mean that the crystals themselves are an idol in the mystical experiences that I've had. And, you know, as you've read my books, you probably run into some of these experiences. You go to these beautiful places and some of them you're lying on a bed of crystal, you know, so these crystals and the energy that they contain were created by God. And you experience this in some of the mystical spheres and so we don't want to create idols out of them, but just like we utilize crucifixes and things like this as sacramentals, it's okay to acknowledge that things have energy. And when we are directed to do certain things, that these are all part of God's creation. You know, plants have energy. This is why people have discovered that certain herbal things are good for certain illnesses, things like this. So, it's all about understanding that um, 
anytime a smaller understanding of something can, uh, you know, mess up the larger reality of something. Yeah, because that's where we kind of started today. And a lot of the questions we had kind of related to that a lot. Adriana says, I like the 12 tribe of Israel priest in the Bible, have them on their clothing for the temple. Okay, the temple something. Yeah, so the, the um, you know, we want to always remember that it's important to try to understand the larger picture because there is a larger picture in a lot of these questions and there's a mystical picture and that's usually where the larger picture comes to us from. So anyway, I hope this has been helpful. If anyone has any questions, jump in now because we're about to finish up. And while I'm giving you a chance to jump in, I'll just remind you all to please subscribe to the channel. Keeps us searchable. And also like our videos. We really need those likes on the videos. Um, it's really, really important to get the likes on the videos. And also to um, consider, if you can, to become a member because becoming a member helps us to keep our material free to everyone in the world. But just remember, like all our videos, subscribe to the channel, uh, share the channel with your friends and people you think might be interested in the content. Um, and on your social networks, uh, wherever. These are the kinds of things that really help us to get the word out and to keep us searchable online. Adriana, the Old Testament priests working at the temple used 12 different crystals on their clothes representing the 12 tribes of Israel. I didn't know that. How interesting. That is very interesting. Uh, so, you know, there you go. That's one of the, uh, that's exactly what we're talking about you know, they probably knew some things about the qualities and properties of those crystals, and they had them in conjunction with those tribes. And, and you know, I don't know what they are, but uh, somebody probably does. <laughs> so that's amazing. Thank you for clarifying much of the confusion of the new age. Oh, you're absolutely very, very welcome. You know, I had been involved in the new age early on in my life. So I'm very happy to answer those questions. Um, and, you know, it's interesting too, Adriana, I was also raised Mormon. So I know a lot about that as well. So pop me all your Mormon questions too. I've studied a lot about that too. And of course I've studied a lot of the, you know, I put those books out about the Protestant reforms. So we can touch all those questions. I think those things are fascinating uh, as well. So thank you all for joining me. And I look forward to talking to you again next time. Aniel, thank you very much. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, John, again, for that awesome super chat. And uh, MT, Bill, um, Stark Ether, um, everyone, everyone here. I hope I haven't missed anybody who's in. Thank you all for being here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.